So where are we starting on this pre-chat adventure? Dog Instagrams. I want to hear more about dog Instagrams. Literally, as we sat down to record this podcast, I received a WhatsApp about my friend's dog's new Instagram. (laughs) So this is a thing. You're telling me this is a thing. This is a completely normal thing, though. I don't have a dog, but another podcast I listen to, the guy talks about how when he's walking... Actually, it's not even his dog. When he's dog-sitting and walks that dog, other dog owners will come over and talk about how cute his dog is, and then they'll talk about their own dog and tell him their dog's Instagram account. It's just become normal for your dog to have an Instagram. So, okay, so does that mean Facebook It's the same? It's the same for Facebook? I don't think it is the same for Facebook. I think Facebook is actually really super... Blah, about like you must use your real name you must be a human being facebook is like no fun facebook is actually a just a disgusting cesspool of bots pretending to be people and people who would probably be better off if they were bots i don't know well i tried to create newting to look after our podcast page and i wasn't allowed to create newting new thing a new account under your own name yes you try to have two people with your name yeah and it really wasn't i had to had to give them a photo of myself to verify my i don't know what the hell i was verifying if i'm honest they've got a picture of me now which apparently they were going to delete after 24 hours after being verified so i guess they check for likeness but what were they checking for likeness against against the database of all the people they have on record. What? It's scary. It's scary. It scared me when I, I, I immediately messaged you that day when I came across this. Facebook is scary. I mean, this conversation wasn't meant to be about how Facebook is scary. This conversation was meant to be how you were incensed that they were cool with a dog having an Instagram, but they were not cool with you having two Facebook accounts, one for yourself and one so you could manage the podcast. Yes, exactly. Dogs are people tooting. Well, they're not people, they're dogs. But dogs are living things. Dogs are cute. I, I, you know, the funniest thing would be if I could create an account for our dog and have him run the podcast page. (laughs) (laughs) Our dog. You're saying we're going to get a dog. Why not? For the purposes of this experiment, we should get a dog. And then I, I should get a dog. I should get a dog. Yes, and then the podcast will have a dog. Well, no, the dog will have a podcast. It, yes, sorry. See, this is why I, you, you should set it all up. <laughs> It'd be incredible, and there'll be a whole story why there's a dog running our podcast. What will the dog be called? I don't know. I, I feel you already have a name, though. I don't know, I was trying to think of one, but my mind went blank, and then for some reason it decided it should call it Mashiny. What kind of name is that? What kind of name is that for a dog? How are you spelling that, first of all? M-A-S-C-H-E-N-Y. I really wanted you to spell spell the name machine, but we just pronounced, <laughs> we just pronounced it like that. M-A-C-H-I-N-E. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's much better. You're right. <laughs> please, please follow through for me. Please follow through for me. Actually, to be honest, I've thought about getting a dog a few times. I've thought about what I'd call my virtual dog. The problem is, people keep naming their children names I would call my dog, and it's really disturbing. <laughs> I'm just like, 
Well, I can't call my dog that now. Why not? It's just rude to name your dog after someone else's child. I mean, what did, what was that saying? That they shouldn't they shouldn't have chosen that name for the child. It just goes to show they have great taste in names. Maybe I shouldn't give my dog a human name. Do you work in a dog-friendly workplace? I do. Then you must get a dog. Actually, I think it's technically not a dog-friendly workplace. I think the shared office space we're in technically does not allow dogs, but our company has literally just bought two floors of the shared office space, so we can do whatever the hell we like. Actually, you came there today, didn't you? I did. And you experienced the free coffee and great view. And free donuts as well. Free donuts. It was a truly blessed day today. Open to the public? It's not open to the public. Just because It's not open to the public. I just snuck you in and got you a free coffee. I don't feel there were any checks on the way. There were no checks. It's really, yeah, it's really blasé. It's, re- it's really just like, oh, who would check? You know, we're really cool here. Checking is for, like, Nazis. Can we talk about your tipping? I tipped the barista. Maybe it's because you, you tipped the barista, so she's she's on guard. She's look, on lookout for you. Yeah, that's right. No she, she's got some... my back. <laughs> no trouble for Sir Mike. <laughs> yes. Sir Mike likes to tip generously. It's because the coffee is free. And the coffee is actually from... It's actually branded coffee. So there is a upmarket chain of coffee shops in Hong Kong called the Coffee Academics. And the Coffee Academics is usually like... 30 to 50 dollars for a coffee so that is what like three to five pounds which is expensive so this co-working space has a barista from coffee academics who just makes coffee for free and because it's free there's pretty much always a queue she's literally making coffee non-stop all day she's like a terrible coffee slave and she just looks really sad all the time like she it's not like she's like crying or like making a scowl or anything she just looks really really worn down you know you you'd be like hi miriam how you doing she'd be like oh okay and she's got like this sad tired you know can i just say she did not look sad when you turned up that's because that's I give her a tip. I, I think I'm the only person who tips her. I think I'm literally the only person who ever gives her a tip. Because she's, she's got like a tip jar and it's always empty. It's like, quick, so Mike's coming. Empty the jar now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what you're saying is that I'm a sucker. I'm, I'm just too kind. I'm too kind. Despite, despite my jerkbag exterior. <laughs> you should keep tipping. It's a good thing. Don't, 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 don't listen to idiot thing. Yeah, so she, she, I don't know. I just feel she always looks so sad. And like the coffee's free. Like if I was, you know, I'm getting a coffee because I want a coffee. And if I went outside to buy that coffee, it would be like 50 bucks. So even if I'm tipping her, it's still less than me buying a coffee because I'm not tipping her 50 bucks. We have the same branded coffee in our office. It is not free. <laughs> Wait. It's like we're buying it from outside. Really? <laughs> yes. Still, that's pretty classy because in our main building, we do not have coffee academics coffee. We've got like several tiers down the coffee, you know, pecking order coffee. Coffee academics is right up there. I mean, I think it's still not at the top, right? I think at the top of the branded chain, I think you've got fuel. Fuel is like a fancy cup of coffee. 
And then beyond fuel, you've obviously got proper snooty, hipster, one-of-a-kind coffee places. I'm not a coffee snob. I feel like fuel is like cheese. It's like, it just stinks. It's gotten to that, it's got so expensive where I can't appreciate it anymore. (laughs) I've said it, maybe that's a bit harsh. (laughs) No, I think that's, I think... Do you know what I mean? It's gone to the very extreme of the spectrum and it's, I don't like the taste. Yeah, fuel is a very strong coffee. Fuel is an exceptionally, like, dark and roasted blur. Meanwhile, I still haven't bought an espresso machine. <laughs> it's fine. You're going to a a food and drink festival tomorrow? I am going to a food and drink festival. How sophisticated. Very sophisticated. I have free tickets. I won free tickets. I'm just on a roll at the moment, actually. So you might come back with an espresso machine. Send me a pic if there is an espresso there. Just so it can brighten up my Saturday. I don't think there will be an espresso there. I think Nespresso is too... What? What is the word? Better than. <laughs> is it bourgeois? What does bourgeois mean? Bourgeois. I shouldn't say words I don't really know the meaning of. I think this festival is meant to be like for like boutique weird artisan producers and... Fancy restaurants, I don't know. I'm going to step in there and it's going to be like a honking great big espresso stand. And I'll be like, well, I was wrong. Well, your firm is there, so... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me tonight Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Tingothy. Hi. Hi. Hello. Welcome. We're a book club for games. But not today. You win this round, April. Today, we're going to talk about Google Stadia, the Master Chief Collection, Dwarf Fortress on Steam, and we'll do some rapid fire. From the beginning of time, games have brought us together. Players and spectators. By the handful the hundreds and the thousands. We built stadiums. Places to gather around every kind of spectacle. Glory. Tragedy. Pageantry. Community. Rivalry. And wonder. Until every city, town, and village had a place where anyone could play. Thousands of years in, so let's start off with Google Stadia. At GDC this year, Google announced their Stadia streaming platform, which is a cloud-based gaming service. It's headed up by Phil Harrison, ex-Sony exec, and Stadia Games and Entertainment, their first-party studio, is headed up by Jade Raymond, ex-Ubisoft, Sony, and EA. So they've got a couple of big hitters to lead this show. So it's not a console. Yeah, because they had that project stream test thing, right? Yes. With Assassin's Creed. And then they were rumoured to be announcing new hardware at GDC. And for a while I was thinking, is it going to be an actual console? Although that doesn't really seem very googly. And then we got this. So there is new hardware, a controller, but it's not a console. Is there a new dongle? 
it seemed to imply that the existing Chromecast HD dongle would do it. With Bluetooth. Well, the controller doesn't connect to the dongle. The controller connects directly to the data center, which is pretty interesting. So the controller itself connects to Wi-Fi and directly sends its inputs to the remote server. We should run through a few facts just to get people up to speed. So in the data center, the machine you will be provisioned with, the GPU is rated at 10.7 teraflops, which is roughly equivalent to a 1080 Ti. And that is significantly more powerful than either the PS4 Pro or Xbox One. The CPU is a custom processor, x86, 2.7 gigahertz, hyper-threaded with AVX2. Do you know what AVX2 is? No idea. I assume it's some vector extension, if that means anything to you. No. (laughs) Don't worry about it. How much memory will it have? 16 gigs. I don't know. It's all just meaningless numbers, to be honest. It's going to be a Linux-based machine, right? It is. I don't know, it's quite interesting to to think about how they're doing this. It's not custom hardware. Well, it kind of is custom hardware, but it's still a standard PC running Linux remotely with a whole load of magical streaming stuff probably baked into the OS at some level. It's interesting that they had to present a spec for people. Well, I think it's important to give some people some idea of how powerful it is, right? So it's more powerful than the current gen consoles. Although it does seem like, despite what I may have said previously, well, I don't know, actually, is this actually, is this my prediction coming true? in some bizarre form you know will we see another console generation well actually we probably will see another console generation but if the world does move to streaming then this would be the beginning of the end because jumping all over the place a bit here but you know what is the market this is going to cannibalize i don't think this is necessarily aimed at people like me because I care enough about my gaming experience to buy a ridiculous monolith of a computer with flashing lights and water coolers and, you know, a kilowatt power supply. But most people are not willing to do that. And this gives you the performance of a machine like that without you having to buy some ludicrous, you know, hunk of metal that sits under your desk. I assume this is more likely to cannibalise the console market. Plus, this is opening up a whole new market in itself, like the convenience of you can play it anywhere. Well, anywhere you have a good internet connection. In North America or Europe. (laughs) So, what do you need to play on Stadia? The headline figure they've given, 4K, 60 frames per second, needs... 25 megabits of bandwidth. Device-wise? Anything that can handle 25 megabits of bandwidth. I mean, they've shown it on a Chromecast, they've shown it on a phone, they've shown it on a really low-spec PC, on a laptop. Anything that can run Chrome? 
Basically, yeah, like it can literally run in your browser. I find it really interesting that the controller bypasses your local device. Like the controller does not connect to your PC, which connects to the, you know, game server. I mean, it can work that way. If you're not using the Stadia controller and you're using, say, a PS4 controller or an Xbox controller or whatever, if you're playing it on a desktop PC and you're using Chrome, your regular controller will connect to your PC and your PC will forward the relevant, you know, controller inputs to the server. But if you're using the Stadia controller, it literally connects directly to the machine and then you are just pulling down the video feed onto whatever device you happen to be using. We'll see if that's enough. (laughs) What does that even mean? In terms of everyone's already talking about the lag or the latency... You know, it's a step in the right direction, but is it enough? I am coming around on this because I really thought this was not ever going to be a good experience. But I have come to realise that I'm not thinking about this rationally. Like, if you actually run the numbers, it is totally possible. So, we had a conversation about keyboards earlier, right? And you know, people talk about, like, input latency. But, you know, what's the biggest input latency? It's not from when the keyboard triggers and gets to your computer. It's from you physically pushing the key down. There's all sorts of input lag all the time that you don't even think about. You know, and it, and it's all to do with your fleshy human appendages that are just slow and blur. If you really think about it, What is 60 frames per second? If you have a game that runs at 60 frames per second, that means each frame is taking about 16 and a bit milliseconds to render. So if your latency to the data center is less than 16 milliseconds, which is totally plausible these days, you actually could get a game that feels like it's running locally. Because even if you're playing on your local machine, your latency is going to be at least 16 milliseconds at 60 frames per second. And your monitor is, will have its own latency as well on top of that. Yeah, exactly. There's already all sorts of latency in there. And if you go down to 30 frames per second, which is what most console games run at, now you've suddenly got, you know, 30-ish milliseconds to play with. So if you live near a data center, it's definitely plausible. Like, my ping to the Apex data center in Hong Kong is actually five milliseconds, according to, you know, the data center selector at the start of the game. So, you know, in theory, if they actually had Stadia here and it was running on a data center I was that close to, you know, it really would work. Especially since internet here is, like, redonkulous. Like, you can get gigabit internet really easily. Like, everywhere's got gigabit internet. But it's not coming to Asia. No. I mean... I didn't expect it to. You made some hopeful tweet about it. You were like, Google's going to announce something tomorrow. They've got data centers in Singapore and Hong Kong. Fingers crossed. Blur. <laughs> I don't know. Why do I keep saying blur today? I'm just like, sorry, my brain is a bit broken today. Sorry. But yeah, our hopes dashed. It's coming to the US, Canada, the UK, and Europe. Uh, excuse me, the UK is in Europe 
Just saying. They know something we don't. <laughs> They're pulling the strings behind the scenes. It's the shadow government. I saw a YouTube video about that. <laughs> oh my God, it's YouTube. It's all connected. Where's my tinfoil? All right, before we go off into crazy speculation land, there are a few choice quotes or choice features that you wanted to highlight? Yeah, I mean, I just had this presentation on in the background while I was trying to play Baba Is You. And so my brain was kind of occupied by other things. And then I heard these magic words and suddenly my attention was fully focused on the stadia announcement. So Phil Harrison says, Battle Royale games can have a hundred or so players today. I'm paraphrasing here, but but with Stadia, you could have a thousand players or more. And I was like, a thousand player Battle Royale? Where do I sign up? Like, suddenly I'm interested. <laughs> You're like, you have got my attention, sir. You also mentioned no cheaters, right? Yeah, no cheaters. No cheaters. It's so funny, as someone who didn't really play multiplayer shooters very much, and then in the last couple of years has just become obsessed with multiplayer battle royale and cheaters are a huge problem cheaters are a massive problem so the idea of actually having in a way a more level playing field like there's latency all the time and it's kind of unfair who's got good ping who's got bad ping so now everyone sort of has the same ping like your server side ping is the same now for sure you've got like visual latency and input latency, but like, it's not like your packets got to the game server first. Well, it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. Like, you know, your input packets may have taken longer to get there, but your shooting packets and that calculation was 100% fair this time. And no cheaters, no aimbots, no speed hacks, no nonsense. That's worth something. Sadly. I mean, I wish we lived in a world where we didn't have cheaters. There are no cheaters on console, are there? I don't know. Because I don't play console <laughs> cheaters. You do get cheaters on console. It's just different. It, it it just manifests in different ways, right? Like, it's it's much harder to cheat on console. And then, you know, this this is basically impossible to hack. Like, you literally, you don't have access to the machine. It would be seriously impressive if you managed to hack this. I'm sure someone will do it one day. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I will be impressed. And then part of the wild speculation that came out of this, like there have been lots of opinion pieces written about this presentation. And one of them talked about this being the beginning of the end for local games. And I can kind of see it. Like, I'm not happy about it. And I don't think it will ever really completely come to pass. At least not in any future I can foresee. Like maybe in like a hundred years or something, but like who knows how much things will have changed by then. But I can definitely see for economic reasons right now, let's say you make a new game and you decide to make it Stadia streaming only for the first month or two. Because that first month or two is when you get all of your sales of the game. And that first month or two is when everyone 
who's going to pirate the game is going to pirate the game. Well, actually, no, that statement's not quite right, but the people who would pirate the game that would cost you significant revenue, that's when they're going to really hurt you. So if you can prevent piracy during those first couple of months, that's really worth something. And so you can definitely see for economic reasons, major AAA games could become streaming only on initial release, and then the version you can download and play locally becomes available. And you can certainly imagine that stream exclusivity period just becoming longer and longer until eventually streaming only just becomes the norm. Especially for games that are like multiplayer only anyway. And then that opens up all sorts of questions about the pricing model. But no one knows about that right now. I do have my fears about the pricing. I don't mind paying full price for for games at the moment. How do I feel having about having a subscription for games? I mean, like Origin's already trying the model of having a subscription for games, right? And that's not streaming. It's just literally you pay for the subscription and you can play those games locally. But only those games. There's a lot of games. It's the majority of their catalogue, including the brand new releases. Yeah, but they're not games I want to play. Yeah, but that's just disappointment about Origin, right? <laughs> I don't want to... Ma- you know, this is the... This is what's happening with with video streaming. I don't want to pay, like... I don't want to have three active subscriptions. No. And we we talked about this before, about how there was the golden age of streaming when it was just Netflix and Netflix gave you everything and now all these other companies have realised, oh, wait, we want to get in on that game. And now the content is split across everything and it's a pain. And for games... Even before streaming with digital distribution, Steam was... It's not the only game in town, but Steam was the only one that mattered. But now, I mean... I have Origin, I have the Epic Launcher. I still mostly use Steam, but I have to have Origin for Apex now. I don't play Fortnite, but if I did, I would have to have Epic for that. Do you have Battle.net? I do have Battle.net. Yeah, it's already such a mess. I mean, but Stadia at least is to, like, click a button and it just magically happens. So I guess it's easy at least. But, you know, will you pay for the game or will you pay for the service, right? Because Netflix, you just pay for the service. You don't you don't pay a premium to watch a new movie on Netflix. You're just paying for Netflix. So the question is whether you'll buy a game outright on Stadia or you'll just have the subscription or if you'll have to pay, like, a service subscription fee and have to buy the game on Stadia. Or maybe it'll all be ad-supported. Oh, that's, that'd be the worst thing. It would be the worst. That's the whole point of Netflix, right? I don't have to watch ads. Although if I have Hulu, I have to watch ads. But I could pay for the... I can pay away the ads as well. Do you have to watch ads even though you pay? Yeah, there's two tiers with Hulu. It's so strange. I... I don't understand America, actually. Like, I visited America a few times, and I am shocked by how many ads there are on TV. Like, I was literally... This is years ago as well, actually. Like, the last time I was in America was, like, over 10 years ago. But I remember... I mean, this is really going to date how long ago I was in America. I was watching Friends in America, and... You know, it plays the title music, gets to the end of you know, the title music, and then 
commercial break. And I was like, wait, what? It hasn't even started yet. Like, like seriously, what? I have to watch a commercial break after the title sequence has rolled. You know, that, and that's just normal in America, right? 22 minutes of content for every 30 minutes. Like Simpsons. They're so short, those episodes, when you watch them without ads. So I don't know. I think the tolerance for adverts in America is way higher than in Europe, certainly. Like, in the UK, people would not tolerate that many adverts. I can imagine a future where I am served two minutes of ads for every 10 minutes of game or every 15 minutes of game. Uh, really? I that It just, it wouldn't work for a game. It wouldn't work for a game. But if, it, if I gave you a discounted fee, would you take it? No, but it, it literally would not work for a game. Because, like, where would you put in the commercial breaks? Like, with, with a video, it's a passive thing. You're watching it. They put an ad break in, whatever. But if you're in the middle of, like, some manoeuvre, like you're trying to jump or something. Imagine, like, you're just about to jump, and then an advert plays, and you put down the controller, and you go off and make a cup of tea, and you come back, and you fall into the pit, right? Like, it, it wouldn't work. I hope you're right. I, I think I don't think they'll make such a a weird decision. I mean, more likely it will be product placement, or you know what? I've just had a horrifying thought. I've just had a horrifying thought. What if this is what the style transfer stuff is for? What if the machine learning style transfer stuff is all about being able to figure out which bits of your visual field they can replace seamlessly? Like, I mean, it's not really the same thing. But, I mean, this, okay, this is segueing into a different part of the presentation, but they showed off this technology called style transfer, and it was a really random thing to show. Like, it was not at all to do with Stadia on the surface of it, right? It was just showing, hey, we came up with some cool machine learning tech, and I decided to show you my school project. Like, why? Why did they show this? So, to quickly describe the segment, it was a basic 3D game world just gray boxed out so no textures simple shapes character running around it and then they showed style transfer so they got a piece of art and they just told this machine learning system okay make the game look like this piece of art and it did in a magical seamless way in a way that your brain kind of accepted like oh yeah it looks like that piece of art and yet it all looked very natural but why? So you're saying you think they can fill the world with ads? I'm not really saying that at all. Or they could easily fill it. You know, if there was given a some screen real estate or in-game objects were untextured to say, oh, add here, please. Add here, please. They could easily just slap in some ads. I, I don't think it's that obvious. I think if you wanted to do that, obviously there are better ways to do it, right? Like you're better off actually doing it at the game engine level rather than this machine learning magic way. But it's more that this machine learning magic thing has obviously figured out some way to make things kind of natural. And so perhaps it will somehow figure out which parts of the game world could be occluded by an ad without actually disrupting the game. My other terrible vision was that it would just use the style of an Apple advert and slap it into your game and you've got someone dancing a silhouette dancing with headphones to ting tings 
<laughs> of course it's the Ting Tings. Of course. But that'd be amazing if they just did their style transfer. That would be really funny if they just... Yeah, you're right. You'll be playing Assassin's Creed and then they just style transfer a Gillette advert into it or something. <laughs> Wait, what? And it'll be seamless and you can still make your jump. I feel like we may have imagined too far, but I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what they're going to do with it. I do think all this machine learning graphical stuff is really very weird that's how that's the game we should make just have it filled with ads but people will find so much novelty they'll play it okay (laughs) we'll add it to the list of games we say we're going to make that we'll never make we haven't even (laughs) we've not made anything yet it's been like six months since we've said we're going to (sighs) start but don't, don't you think this is bizarre like you know we haven't talked about dlss for example, I actually really wanted to talk about DLSS at some point too, where all of this machine learning, texturing, super sampling stuff is deeply, deeply weird. Like, they say, you know, up to the age of like 10, technologies that exist up to when you're at the age of 10, you just consider normal, right? Like, oh, that's just the way the world works. So like, for us phones, television, aeroplanes, whatever. That's the natural order of the world, right? And then, you know, from your 20s, from your 30s, whatever, you're still kind of accepting of it, but it's like new and novel, but, you know, you still can cope with it, whatever. But like, they say when you're like 40 plus, or maybe 50 plus, like, there comes a point where your brain just is like, that's unnatural, like, what are these kids doing? This is wrong. Like, you know, like your brain just rebels against it. It's like, this is against the natural order of things. And I, I'm actually starting to feel like this is unnatural. Like, I can't conceive of how, well, that's not quite true. I kind of, I do know how it works, but I find it weird that it's become normal to do this. Like, strange machine learning, imagining the details back into a scene and you just use it. <laughs> You just use it for anti-aliasing your game kind of thing, you know, has become normal. And this style transfer thing is just off-the-shelf technology now. Like, what what happened? Nothing really dystopian has come of it yet. So, hopefully I'm not so old that I'll find it unnatural and I'll be happy to just RTX on. I don't know. (laughs) State share? State share. You poo-pooed this. You were like... Who's going to use that? It's pointless. It is. I'm not as competitive as you. Maybe that's the problem. What, what, what does competitiveness have to do with it? I thought it'd be like, oh, beat this time or beat this save, beat this. Play this level. Play this troll level. Play this troll level. Not to beat it. I just think it'll be fun. Like, play this troll level is definitely a great use for it. Like, imagine you're watching my favourite Mario Maker streamer, and you decide, I want to play that, and you can. You know, you click the button, and it resumes from that point in the game or something. Or at least some save state that they've uploaded as part of the video. I don't know. Or imagine you're watching Northern Lion fail infuriatingly at a puzzle again and again and again, and you can just be like, "Mm, I I can't take this anymore. I'm going to click the button and just solve this puzzle. I tried to watch Northern Lion play Barbaro's You this morning. (laughs) it's like i'm a genius no no you're not please clearly you don't need to be good at games to be a 
You just need to be entertaining. Unfortunately, you do need to be entertaining. <laughs> I think the state share might be quite interesting. I mean, I mentioned to you, even if you just wanted help with something. Actually, I remember when we were trying to play Dark Souls 3 and you were like, can you help me with this boss? And we were share playing it. And I think your backup plan was actually just to pass control over to me and have me beat the boss for you. But in the end, we didn't have to do that. I was just coaching you through it. I was just like, no, just do this, just roll. But if you were really stuck, you could have just state shared it to me if we were living in the stadia future. And we wouldn't even have had to coordinate a time to do it. That's the difference between this and share play, right? You could be like, look, I'm really stuck on this. You finally decide to give up. You save a state share point. I pick it up at some point and do it. And then when I hand it back to you, you can watch my gameplay of how I did it and then resume the game from the end of the video. And then I give you £10. It's like you're providing a service for me. That's not right. That's not social. Gameplay as a service. <laughs> it can be social. I can have commentary. <laughs> Thanks. Ting, you're trash. Ting, it's so easy. I remember I did actually record that for you, right? I think you told me how much difficulty you had, and then I just recorded a video of me parrying the boss and being like, Ting, this is how you do it. Boom. Yes. The thing I think is interesting is that this is just the beginning. We're at the start of some phase change in well, in entertainment and computing and everything. So in a lot of sci-fi visions of the future, there is just magical, limitless compute power everywhere. And that is actually what this is. What your device can do is no longer constrained by your device. You can run something that needs the compute power of like a massive desktop PC on your phone and this you know usage of it to play games remotely is literally just the start this is just really saying this much compute power is seamlessly available to you as a consumer on tap anywhere it's actually kind of hard to imagine what impact this will have i mean it could have no impact i could be totally wrong but equally think about if you can what the internet was like 20 years ago. It was mostly, what, dial-up still? Well, broadband was only just becoming a thing. Like, always-on internet connections were still relatively rare. Computers were weak and anemic. And then, like, fast-forward to today, where in your pocket is a smartphone. It's more powerful than a supercomputer was, you know, back in the day. I, I saw some crazy statement the other day that about even AirPods, the chip inside each individual AirPod. So like not between them, but literally in each ear is one of these chips that has the same compute power as an iPhone 4. You know, that that's nuts. But, you know, you're still limited by the laws of physics, by battery, by whatever. And so if you can stream everything and you've got that much power on tap, like, what is that going to do? If you can give me a perfect virtual assistant, I've, maybe I skipped, like, a few years ahead, but, yeah, 
That'd be amazing. Well, exactly, because, you know, this bandwidth is going both ways. So if you've got some virtual assistant that's seeing everything you're seeing and tagging everything you're seeing and just, you know, you can say, oh, what's a good restaurant? And it knows where you are and it can tell you, oh, turn left here. You know, it doesn't have to just be games. It could be projecting AR onto your field of view in real time. I'm not sure it really can do that because there is still the laws of physics when it comes to latency. But, you know, if you've got round trip, suddenly you're at 30 frames per second. And will you become horribly violently sick if you've got 30 frames per second with a minor delay? Maybe you will. But, but maybe not. Maybe, you know, algorithmically they can compensate for it with like, I think it's called like ASW and all the stuff, you know, these 3D headsets are already doing. So... I don't know. Who knows? It's hard to predict. I think it's exciting. I I don't think it is like necessarily the death of local gaming or like the death of game studios that can't compete in this like AAA or bust kind of world. Like who knows where it's going to go? Anyway, the cat's out of the bag. You can't hold back the tide of progress. Too bad. I'm just not that happy with Google knowing even more about me. It's either them or Facebook. No, if you put it like that, let's... (laughs) (laughs) We welcome our new Google Overlords. Oh, actually, and one more thing. One more thing. It was an Apple presentation. Those demos looked bad. (laughs) They just looked like... There's like no style to them at all. I know they were just tech demos, but they really looked like tech demos. I just... I characterized them as looking like the lawnmower man, which is apropos of like 20 years ago. You said that Google has no product design. <laughs> is that what, is that how you put it? Yes, that's what, how I put it. I don't enjoy using Google products. Really? I, Gmail? I don't enjoy using Gmail. Really? I mean, it's a service. It does everything I need, but it's a business product. I use it as a productivity product. I don't use it because I enjoy it. To be fair, I don't enjoy using my iPhone anymore. Really? I used to. <laughs> Why don't you enjoy it? It's because of the case. Because I have to do all these stupid <laughs> widgets and it's just trying to add more functionality where I need simplicity in my life. Have you been talking to Johnny Ive? No. <laughs> okay, that fell flat. <laughs> Recently, we saw the announcement of Dwarf Fortress on Steam. When's it available? Time is subjective. Time is subjective. So for us, it'll probably be available before Tomorrow. we even realise Tomorrow. <laughs> what feels like tomorrow. Yeah, we were like, oh yeah, Dwarf Fortress. Was- oh yeah, it's been available <laughs> for six months. Yeah. Look, we've got so many other things to occupy our time. It'll probably be out before we realise it. Our lives are so routine and mundane that 
Speak for yourself, Tim. <laughs> Speak for yourself. There's no novelty in my life at the moment. But Dwarf Fortress is already free. Is it free on Steam? It won't be free on Steam. So what are you trying to say? They said there's a free version though, right? So the free version will still be available from the website. But they are, they are creating a paid version of Dwarf Fortress available on Steam. With, I don't know, a tile set, a custom tile set, a proper tile set, an official tile set. All of those things. All of those things. And with Steam Workshop mod support. Good for them. Up to now, this thing has been funded purely through donations, which is crazy. And this thing has been going on for... Since 2003. Madness. It is really funny when you think about it, because you see Dwarf Fortress, and it's like the Matrix. It's just this riot of ASCII. And you imagine that it's some game from the distant past, like NetHack. But no, it was made in 2003. You know, it started in 2003, and it's still being actively developed now. All of that energy that would have gone into graphics has instead gone into complicating the simulation. There's still hope for us. Yeah, I, actually, I've, been, I've quite often wanted to make a roguelike, like a real traditional roguelike. I've often thought it might be a fun exercise in entity modelling. I mean, the fact that I can conceive of a fun exercise in entity modelling probably tells you something about me and the way my brain works. But yeah, I've often thought it might be fun to try and make a roguelike. So, you know, maybe we should abandon all this Unity nonsense and just go down the coding rabbit hole. But Dwarf Fortress already did it. Like, Dwarf Fortress has a 16-year head start on us, making a monstrously complicated game. We can do better than dwarves. And fortresses. Everyone's tried that before. Like, there are so many games inspired by Dwarf Fortress. I mean, on the Steam page, I guess they're expecting that a lot of people won't actually have heard of Dwarf Fortress. So, you know, on the Steam store page, they take the time to call out, hey, you know all these really famous games? RimWorld, Prison Architect, Minecraft. They were all inspired by Dwarf Fortress. Play the game that those games are a pale shadow of. <laughs> or alternatively, are beautifully refined <laughs> versions of. Not this steaming quagmire of cat vomit and aquifers deadly carp marauding elephants have you played dwarf fortress i have played dwarf fortress well actually define played i have installed dwarf fortress and stared at the ascii and spent half an hour trying fruitlessly to figure out how to do anything then realized that i really need some kind of tutorial watched six hours of how to play Dwarf Fortress guides and then decided I don't have time to gain a degree in Dwarf Fortress. Surprising. I thought you always I thought you always up for a challenge. But you know, there's a challenge and there's there's Dwarf Fortress. Like <laughs> I'm not sure what else there is like Dwarf Fortress. Like Dwarf Fortress is 
yeah it's madness i don't know i, I mean we we've talked about it a bit before or we've mentioned it in passing before like it's just held up as this example of what happens if you i guess it's like the ultimate sandbox game right like what happens if you just keep making the sandbox more and more complicated and there is kind of no game in there right it's not like you know people say like gta 5 is a sandbox game but there's a story in there there's an objective people say minecraft is a sandbox game but they added an objective to it with the ender dragon to try and give people something to strive for right like dwarf fortress is a sandbox for the sake of being a sandbox it's just rules upon rules upon rules systems upon systems upon systems that interact with each other in crazy ways and what's it all for you know how do you win you don't well they could just create a challenge journal but that's not what it's about but some people need to make it about something dwarf fortress is not for those people okay i totally get where you're coming from right because i played minecraft i really enjoyed minecraft but i played a mod well a mod pack of minecraft that had a challenge journal so i think the first one of those things i played was called feed the beast and it was like this massive kind of pyramid which was like the beast and you had to it was a skyblock map and you had to create particular items and making those items would unlock other items that you make the other items to keep like you know unlocking levels of the pyramid and that was really fun and then again like another one like that i played called agrarian skies which was another skyblock map only this time there was a specific challenge journal mod in there and yeah the sense of purpose it gave you it was really fun but i don't know i i think if you gave dwarf fortress a point it would really change the character of the game i mean dwarf fortress is like you have to find meaning for yourself it's like life dwarf fortress is like life. dwarf fortress is the matrix dwarf fortress is literally the matrix <laughs> you know it's like that scene where the guy goes like how do you see that it's like oh you know i just see brunette redhead whatever you know it's, it's like that like how can you just look at this screen for the characters oh i just look at it and i see blacksmith wrestler carp Adding a tile set, I mean, you can already add a tile set to Dwarf Fortress, but baking it into the game out of the box will make it way more approachable. I think it's really good that they're doing this. I think it will introduce a lot of people to the game. Maybe we'll finally play it. Well, I already played it. Maybe you'll finally play it. Maybe I'll finally get more than half an hour into it before giving up in frustration. Hopefully they make money from it. They need to, it sounds like. Halo Master Chief Collection is coming to PC. I am excited. I was really excited for Halo back then. And I don't know what it will be like now. Have you played Halo? I played some of the first Halo up to the flood. Is that it? Yeah. Oh. You should get this. How do you know it'll be good? It might not be good now. 
first-person shooters have moved up, have come a long way. I don't know. I I think it will still hold up. Personally, I I actually played the first Halo on PC. Like Microsoft actually released Halo One on PC back in the early noughties. And I played it on PC and it was really fun. I really liked it. It's kind of funny because I think the balance of the game was probably really off on PC because the game was obviously designed... Well, the game... (laughs) The game went round and round and round, didn't it? Like, it was originally on Apple. It was going to be an Apple exclusive. Did you know this? So, Bungie made, you know, Marathon and Durandal which were, you know, Apple first-person shooters, and they appeared on stage at an Apple keynote. Steve Jobs introduced them, and they showed Halo. And originally, it was kind of a bit more of an RTS. Like, you had an army of Spartans, and they were, like, on the Halo and whatever. And then it went quiet for a bit, and then Microsoft acquired the studio, and then it became an Xbox exclusive. At least an Xbox console exclusive, because it ended up on PC as well. I totally didn't know this. I just thought knew about it from a, a PC perspective. Yeah, it has a weird history. But anyway, when you're playing it on PC with a mouse, you can aim very, very precisely. And the pistol was so good. The pistol was ridiculously good. I, th- I think it's become a meme about how good the pistol was in Halo 1, but... I think it's really hard to appreciate just how good it was. So there are, I can't remember what they're called, but there are these crazy, super strong enemies that are usually like the hardest enemy in the game. They have, they basically have a rocket launcher and they have loads of armor and it takes a huge amount of firepower to take one down or two shots from the pistol. Like if you're on PC, you can just run, quickly get behind them And there are tiny gaps in their armor plating that if you're on console, it's probably unreasonable to expect to shoot them. But on PC, you can just aim for one of those gaps and quickly double tap. Done. So the balance is probably hilariously off, but it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And then Halo 2 and Halo 3, I played them on console anyway. So I don't know. They were kind of good. I haven't played any of the others. I have actually bought them. It's really embarrassing. I think I have shrink wrap copies of Halo Reach and Halo 4 and maybe even ODST. The fact that I can't even remember if I have it, it's quite embarrassing. And all those are going to be in the in the Master Chief collection. Yes! So I can buy them again and not play them again. But you, they'll be on PC this time. Honestly, I probably shouldn't buy it until I've made more of a dent in my backlog. Like, I should really play... Dishonored 2, which I have on PC. I should probably play RDR2 as well, but whatever. I think it's cool that it's coming to PC. It's a big surprise. And it's coming to Steam as well. That's a big surprise too, right? Yes. That's a bit random. Like, I would have expected this to be a Windows Store exclusive. But on the other hand, who buys anything on the Windows Store? I have no idea what Microsoft are up to. They're making better than expected decisions, but bad business decisions, I feel. Yeah, it's just so strange because the Microsoft of old was very business savvy, but also kind of evil. 
because you had the whole embrace, extend, extinguish strategy. And then Microsoft now, everyone still thinks of Microsoft as being this like faceless beer moth that is very business savvy, but secretly wants to destroy you. But they've been pretty good recently. Like they make innovative hardware, like the Surface, which I'm a big fan of. They bought GitHub and it hasn't become a corporate hellhole. Like it's actually still pretty good. And we're paying for their subs. So you you have subscribed to Microsoft products, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I have Office 365. I don't feel bad about it. I've, I tried Game Pass. I've paid... You did tw- try Game Pass. I tried it twice. $20 I've paid them in Hong Kong. Hong Kong dollars, so £2. That's nothing. But it's really good that they let me do this. I've done it twice now. Yeah, I'm surprised. But I'm quite pleased. Yeah, backwards compatibility. Really, really love what they're doing there. That's a bit off topic, though. Well, neither of us has bought an Xbox One. Yeah, I wish, you know, I think it just takes two of you and then I'm sold. I don't need another games console. I don't, I don't think I even really played the PS4, let's be I'll honest. I'll just break them for you. <laughs> what? Then there won't be another one, it'll be a replacement one. Thanks, Ting. All right. Time for... No, no. Um... No release date. Is that right? Yeah. And we're not getting the whole thing at once. They said we're going to get them in chronological order of the story. So we're going to get Halo Reach first, followed by Halo 2, 3, ODST, and then 4. That's a nice way to do it. Yeah, I, will you pay once and you'll get them as they get released, or do you pay for each one? I don't know. I thought it was the former. Oh, it's time for your favourite segment. <laughs> I took my laser gun and I go pew, pew, pew! Rapid fire. Rapid fire. So Nintendo had their spring. Nindies direct which ones caught your eye i'm going to very quickly name two and i'm going to talk about the one i actually care about okay (laughs) so cuphead coming to switch the thing i thought was interesting about this is in the direct they say thanks to microsoft for helping them bring it to the switch again (laughs) well i guess it's kind of like the master chief thing it's kind of interesting so it was a console exclusive for xbox one but now I guess it's on the Switch. And the thanks to Microsoft is because Microsoft were cool about bringing it to Switch. Like, yeah, we wanted it to be exclusive, but we kind of want to play it on the Switch, so fine, you have it. The Red Lantern. So, I think I just wrote in my notes, cute dogs. I was just like, oh, virtual huskies. That's what I have to say about it. Actually, there were a whole bunch of other games too that looked really interesting. Most of the games looked really interesting. There was like a post-apocalyptic journey across the US one. There was some mad time-travelling katana assassin thing, but... Taxi driver. Anyway, there's only one I really want to talk about. So I, I was just skimming Twitter and I saw this video clip and... 
you know when people do like little artistic mashups of like wouldn't it be cool if we had this like dark souls but in the visual style of diablo yeah fan films and so i saw this mashup of zelda and crypto the necro dancer and i was like oh that's cool and then i was like wait this is a real thing <laughs> and then i was like i should watch the nindies showcase so that's when i watched the whole thing and saw all these other games but the only reason i bothered watching it is because i saw this thing on twitter that i thought was a you know a mashup and then it turned out to be a real thing there's a crypt of the necro dancer zelda crossover madness and it's what cadence of hyrule amazing there's remixed music from zelda yeah i'm really interested in this have you played crypt of the necro dancer nope it's cool i mean the music is really good I, I actually listen to the soundtrack while I'm working to help me concentrate. Like, it's it's really good. It's got a really good soundtrack. And so, yeah, I mean, from what we saw in this teaser trailer, looks really good. And I totally did not see this coming. I think it's really interesting that Nintendo has licensed out Zelda for this crossover. That's not something they do often. Or at least it hasn't been something they've done often. Maybe we'll see more stuff like this. Next up, Oculus Rift S announced at GDC this year. I just thought it was interesting as someone who has an Oculus Rift, but I actually really don't use it very much because it's such a pain to set up. You have to put the little sensor cameras somewhere. I mean, like, by Hong Kong standards, I live in quite a big place, but, you know, I don't have enough space to just have an oculus rift set up all the time and so like the effort of setting the thing up and going through all of the room scale blur and the guardian system or whatever you know like you're talking about like half an hour of faffing to be able to play something and so i just very rarely feel like doing it but this new headset has inside out tracking so instead of you setting up cameras that are looking at your headset the headset has cameras that just track everything around you and figure out your position literally just by the different viewpoints of those cameras. It's really cool. I mean, and it's literally replacing the Oculus Rift. You have nothing to say about this. Wait, wait, it takes you half an hour to put down two cameras, three cameras, four cameras. Okay, maybe I'm being super paranoid, but like, I used to have the whole thing plugged in to my machine all the time. And it randomly caused my machine not to boot. So that was your old machine. That was my old machine. It's true. But you know, after the weird boot problems it caused, I started leaving it unplugged. Well, we know what happened to that machine. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, that machine had. It turns out that machine had horrible problems of its own. Anyway, it's probably because it was used for cryptocurrency mining, and you know, it suffered a hard life. But still, plugging in all of the different bits and it's just there's so many usb ports to plug in like there's literally because you <laughs> there's the headset itself there's one for each of the cameras as well so that's like three usb three ports that you need and i just remember it's always a huge faff to, to plug it in and it never works the first time because it always complains that one of the cameras doesn't have enough bandwidth or something and you've got to swap around all the usb ports on your machine like it's, it's really a huge pain and then you then have to set up 
the room scale thing and you have to like walk around to make the perimeter and you have to recalibrate the headset and the cameras like it it takes a non-trivial amount of time like it's not worth doing unless you're intending to play several hours it feels like because if you're going to play half an hour well you'll use up half an hour just setting up the damn thing yep you've convinced me it takes half an hour last thing apex legends full of cheaters on which platform pc of course you're just rolling your eyes (laughs) of course it's your own it's your own fault for playing on a cheater infested platform you're probably you're probably one of them (laughs) so for uh, last weekend i just felt like i was fighting agents from the matrix it was ridiculous like sort it out neo (sighs) i mean you'd be playing fine and then suddenly you would just encounter someone who was you know running as fast as like your bullets were traveling kind of thing or you know you'd be in the middle of a firefight and suddenly someone would just like jump in off the top of a building and headshot all the five people who were in the firefight and then just run off into the distance and you'd be like what just happened oh they're a cheater you know they've got aimbot and like you know, you die and you continue spectating them and you just watch them run into like another group of people and go bang and take them all out and then run off into another group of people, bang, take them off and then they win the game. I'm like, well, what's the point? Yeah, you're, you're just laughing. You're just like, lol. What is the point? <laughs> oh no, you've opened up Pandora's box. I don't know. I don't know what is the point. Why are you still playing? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the only funny thing was that because we knew we could never win, because at some point you would encounter a cheater and the game would be over, we actually completely changed the way we played. We're like, well, there's no point trying to win, so let's just try to fight. And instead of trying to drop somewhere with good loot but low population... So we got a good chance of coming out well geared and, you know, being set up for the rest of the game. We would just drop wherever most people dropped. It would be like, oh, everyone's going to go for here. Let's drop there. And then every game was just a massive firefight for survival from the beginning. And we actually got way better at shooting as a result of this. Like I was literally just mowing down squads by the end of it because we got so much practice at shooting. Sometimes we would come out on top and we'd be like amazingly geared and we'd each taken out like a squad each. Other times we'd encounter a cheater and we'd all die in like five seconds. Like, I think my favorite time was I saw someone, they were ahead of me, they hadn't seen me, and I was shooting them in the back. And then they ran around a corner and I turned the corner and they were gone. And I was like, huh? And then I saw someone who was like downed, but I was like, that's a bloodhound. And I thought I was chasing a wraith, but maybe I just remembered wrong. And then 30 seconds later, I see the same wraith again. I was like, oh no, it was a wraith and they're still alive. And they just go and they like zigzag towards me at 600 miles an hour. And then I'm trying to shoot them and I obviously can't track them fast enough. And then they're behind me and they like punch me in the back and I die. And I'm just like, what? They didn't have a weapon. They didn't need one. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> you don't seem very impressed. I don't know. It'll get cleaned up soon enough. Was this all recorded? Oh, yeah, it's all recorded. I'll, I'll I try. See, and, I want to see your unimpressed face. I'll try and clip some. To be honest, I'm probably embellishing it. It's probably terribly boring when you watch it back, as these things often are. Like, you know, your memory 
your memory of events is often more well actually maybe it's not maybe it's just me but my memory of events is often more fantastical than the real thing so you don't overreact wildly and throw a chair at the wall would would you like me to i'd love yeah love that to happen i'd love you to throw your phone on the floor (laughs) with no case yes we were lost levels club we still are lost levels club please rate and subscribe to us on itunes please 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 you can find us on email mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club on twitter at lostlevelsclub on twitch and youtube as lostlevelsclub oh so mike what are you grateful for today today specifically right now in general this week recently i've just like won loads of stuff recently I just entered a load of random lucky draw stuff and won. So, like, I won some, like, free drinks event thing. Went to some crazy speakeasy in Hong Kong where you got in by walking into a phone booth and dialing a number. And then, like, this curtain goes around the phone booth and then the back of the phone booth opens and you just emerge into this tiny secret bar. And it was just, like, free cocktails. And I can't drink. And I got to the end of the event and I was like, I have to go home now and then i just blanked out <laughs> whoops and then i won free tickets to that food thing tomorrow as well score so michael says bye bye bye